This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Welcome to the program, Warning. Today, we join Dr. Hansen at a church service he held December 24, 2005. His associate pastor, Ty Gullstrom, shares the message, Encountering God's Agape. Now, let's begin. Father God, we are grateful for ever, for what you've done in our lives, for your mercy and your grace, your love, for your precious blood that's given us eternal life. We're forever grateful, Lord, that you did come to earth in the form of a baby. Total humility born in a barn among animals, a manger, to always show us that you are no respecter of people and that we need to give all the honor and respect to the poorest of the poor as if they were the president. Let us always be grateful. Let us always reflect the love that God the Father had on us. Let us also reflect Jesus his love wherever we go, among all people, every nationality, every country, rich or poor. But for the grace of God, there go I. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for Jesus. Now bless the word in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Ty Goldstrom is going to share today. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, I want to, I was stirred by the testimony of Dr. Sarah to see the heart of a person who desires to serve people and to see that when we're in that place of allowing the love of God to touch us so that we can extend the love of God, there's always provision there, isn't there? There's always provision when you grasp in your heart and your life that it's better to give than to receive. And how many testimonies have we seen, Pastor Hansen, of people that have been affiliated with this ministry that have gone throughout the world and even preached straight from this pulpit have talked about the provisions of God. And it's true whether you're in El Salvador, whether you're in Romania, whether you're in a nation in Africa, God is a miracle-working God. And if your heart is simply to serve him and to serve his people, there is always provision in that place. You don't have to be a beggar in that place, amen? Because God will bring supernaturally, like Dr. Sarah, God supernaturally 
brought every resource that she would need to extend the kingdom of God, how God called her to extend it. I want to encourage each of you that God has a plan and a destiny and a purpose and an anointing for your life the same way that he has for Dr. Sarah or Dr. Mike or Pastor Hanson or whoever else here. He has a destiny for you to receive his love and to give away his love. Whether that's by working on teeth, whether that's by going on mission trips, whether that's whatever it is, there's an anointing for your life to give away the love of God. And I can guarantee you that if you're in that place, there's always provision for your needs. Her story reminds me a little bit of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that in the midst of even persecution in Germany, his friends thought he was going to be killed, so they, they basically drug him out of the country and brought him to America. And he was only here for a short season, and he recognized that his anointing wasn't here. His anointing, I think he was in New York at the time, and the anointing of God for his life wasn't in New York City. And he told his friends, friends, I'm not afraid of dying. I'm afraid of basically being cut off from the intimacy with the Lord by not being in his will in the place that he has set me. He says, I must return to my people because that's what the anointing of God for my life is. And I must serve my people. My life is not my own. It is hidden with Christ in God. And so he set back to go back to Germany to serve his people. And it would cost him his life. But you know what, friends? His life was already dead in Christ. He wasn't alive to himself anymore. He was dead in Christ and alive in Christ. And he served his people and showed the love of God that even in the midst of death, he poured out his love to his people. Isn't that what Christ did for us? Even in the midst of persecution and eventual death on the cross, Jesus would not be thwarted. He would not be steered away from the cross. Amen? That's the gospel that's worth dying for, amen? We sang about it today. We sang about that I could sing of your love forever. We could sing of his love forever. You know what? We can also talk about his love forever. We can talk about it. We can share it. I had a great, great dinner time last night with Dr. Mike and Tricia. I tell you what, we left there more excited than when we got there. Because as we were talking with one another, we were just, it was like that iron sharpening iron. And, and the, the Lord, the Spirit of God was there. And he was, it was a fire burning within us as we were talking about the things of Jesus Christ. Amen. That desire to serve each other, to love each other, to wash each other's feet, to encourage and to strengthen each other. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it good? Isn't it awesome to wash each other's feet? We can sing about the love of God. We can talk about the love of God. I love the song that we sang called Father. And it was all about what? First John chapter 4. You know what I'm going to speak from today? First John chapter 4 about his love. That song talked about his love. That love that drives away fear. That love that came to us first. He loved us. And because of that love, now I can love. 
But there's one problem that we run into when we talk about love, and especially when we talk about the love of God. There's one big problem. You know what it is? It's the word love. The English word love is not the love of God. Because when I say the word love, we have all sorts of things we think about, huh? I love chocolate chip cookies, and I love God. Do you see how the word just isn't quite enough? There's limitations in the word called love. Amen? So yeah, we got to use the word love because we live in America. We speak English. But we got to recognize that when we say the word love, it doesn't in itself contain what it really means, that love of God. I like to use the word agape, which is the Greek word for love. Why? Because when you read the Bible in the Greek, it only uses that word agape for his love. So when you say the word agape, you know exactly what you're talking about. You're talking about divine love. You're not talking about brotherly love, like a brother one to another, like phileo, brotherly love. We're not talking about natural affection or storge love. We're not talking about eros love which is what they say, what, love with a hook on it. I love you because I need you to do something for me. See, that's not the love of God, right? The agape of God is unconditional love. It is perfect, divine love. And so today, and we spend just a few moments together talking about the love of the Father, I'm going to use the word agape because I don't want you to anyway think of love how maybe this culture defines love. Because wrapped up in this word called love in this culture is a lot of lust, amen? A lot of love with a hook on it. I love you for what you can do for me. That's not divine love. That's not the love of God. That's not the love that drove Jesus to the cross. We're going to talk about the agape love of the Father in 1 John chapter 4. And it starts out in verse 7. It says, Dear friends, let us agape one another. For agape comes from God. Let us agape one another. For agape comes from God. The Amplified Version, it says, Agape springs from God. Can you see the imagery there of the fountain? Jesus is the source. Jesus is the pump. Jesus is the provision of himself and his character, his love or agape flows out of him like a spring. Love, agape, comes from God. Now the latter half of verse 7 has two important concepts and it says everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. I'm going to read it in the Amplified Version. It says... Beloved, let us agape one another, for agape springs from God, and whoever agapes is begotten or born of God and is coming progressively to know and understand God, to perceive and recognize and get a better and clearer knowledge of Him. So it says that everyone who agapes, so if I, or say with Dr. Mike, if he demonstrates agape, if he demonstrates divine love coming out of his heart, coming out of his life, there are two things that are true about Dr. Mike. One, he is being born again. 
Amen? You cannot agape unless you are born again. It is impossible. Why? Because agape is divine. The only way that the divine character can work through your life is through your spirit being born again. Amen? We're dead apart from Christ. Our spirit is cut off from the living God. But through that born again experience, now we have been united with Christ and now through His Holy Spirit in us, through the regeneration of our spirit, now agape, the love of God, can come into us and out of us. So one thing that's always true about a person who shows agape love, one, he has been born again. He has relationship with Jesus Christ. The second thing in verse 7 that it says, is it says that that person has an understanding that is progressively increasing to know and to understand God and to perceive and recognize and get a better and clearer knowledge of Him. You see, agape love... Agape love and the understanding of God is not just built upon things like time. The agape love of God that rises up within our life and can extend out of our life, that is not exclusively dependent upon our time by itself. It's not dependent upon our ministry by itself. How much time I go out ministry or how much time I spend prayer and fasting. Are those things good? Yes, but by themselves, they never increase our understanding and knowledge of God. Why? It's all based on agape, isn't it? Isn't that what Reverend Frost talked about in the class? Everything in the progressive revelation and understanding of God is always founded on this thing called agape love. That's the thing that transforms a man to understand the ways of God. It's his divine love. How many people have you met that spend a lot of time with God, or at least say that they do, but you see no fruit, you see no extension of agape love? Isn't that what Christ labeled against the Pharisees? They themselves spent lots of time, they said, with the Father, lots of time in doing things such as prayer and almsgiving and fasting and all those things. But Jesus looked at him and says, on the outside, you profess me with your mouth, but your heart is far from me. There was really no fruit of agape love. And it says in verse number 8, whoever does not agape does not know God. Doesn't that make sense though? Because if, if, if it's true that a person that demonstrates agape means that that relationship has been connected through the blood of Jesus Christ, now the character of God can flow in their life and out, then the inverse has got to be true. If there's no agape that really flows out of our life, then we don't know God. Because those who know God, agape. Are you with me? It says in verse 10, this love, agape, not that we agaped God, but that he agaped us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so agaped us, we also ought to agape one another. 
No one has ever seen God. But if we agape one another, God lives in us, and his agape is made complete in us. See, it says there in verse 9, it says that, that we might live through him. Not living just for him, but our lives are really lived through him. And that's the concept that the church, I believe, has failed to recognize and understand. We try in our own strength, in our own merit, in our own talents, in our own abilities to live this thing called the Christian life. But you recognize that was what the cross was all about. The cross was a place of death, a place to bring you to the end of yourself. You cannot on your own strength serve God. You cannot please him with your own talents, intellect, and abilities. He says, I must die on the cross and send my Holy Spirit so my divine agape can flow into you so that I can live this life through you. That is surrender in the person of Jesus Christ. It says, I think Jesus says in John, I can't remember the chapter, he says that, how will the world know that you are my disciples? What will be the testimony? What will be the external fruit in the lives of my people that will show this world that you belong to me? He says it's by the way that you agape one another. Why? Because agape is divine. There's nothing more perfect and pure. And as we'll get into it, Jesus says, or John says that God is agape. And so if agape is a flowing out of your life, and we'll talk about how to get the agape flowing out of your life, that is the most purest fruit that can come out of a person's life that can show the reality that you have relationship with Jesus Christ. Why? Because you cannot imitate agape. You can give all sorts of love with hooks on it. You can give all sorts of brotherly love, but you cannot conjure up by your own strength agape love. It's the perfect test, the perfect external fruit that the people in this world will see that will show that we are children of the living God. Amen? Well, look at the testimony of the church in America. Look how the world perceives the church. I don't think, generally speaking, in America, that the people of this world, when they look at the church, I don't think, generically speaking, that they see a lot of agape. Because they know what about agape does? Uh, everyone wants agape. Everyone has a vacuum, a hole in their heart that longs for agape, that longs for the love of God. There's a place created within us that cannot be satisfied by anything else other than the agape, perfect, divine love of God. And whether a person claims to be a Christian or claims to be a Buddhist or claims to be a Muslim or claims to be an atheist, it doesn't matter. They are created in the image of God and there's a place within their heart that cries out, though they might not understand it, and looking for the home in Christ's love. You understand that? That's the common thing about all men is they have a thing in their heart that can only be satisfied with God himself. And as all of you know, as all of you have your own testimonies of how you went through life looking for a way to satisfy that place, 
But you recognize as soon as you put your hand on something to try to satisfy it, it would dissolve in your hands. And you say, it wasn't it. And you go to something else, and that wasn't it. All of us have that testimony. I know I do. Looking for human relationships. Looking for material possessions. Didn't Solomon go through it? Didn't he write a book all about it? That he looked for it in women? He looked for it in finances? He looked for it in wisdom and understanding of the world? He looked for it through every avenue he could think of, but in the end he says, what? It's all futile. It's like chasing after the wind. Can you imagine if you went out into the church parking lot today and you saw a man chasing after the wind? What would you think about that man? You would think that he probably needs to be institutionalized, huh? Can you see a guy just jumping out there trying to grasp the wind? He's running all over the parking lot. But do you recognize that in a spiritual understanding that that's what you and I do apart from finding total acceptance in Christ? When Jesus looks down, he sees us grabbing stuff and grabbing stuff and trying to fill this void in my heart. And it says it's foolish as a man trying to chase after the wind. And that's why Solomon said, I've tried it all. I've looked everywhere. I had it all. I was the richest man in the world. I was the wisest man in the world. And you know what? None of that filled that agape vacuum in my heart. Nothing could do it. He said, it's all futile. It's a chasing after the wind. And you remember how he concludes his story. What is the duty of man? but basically to love the Lord thy God, to honor him, to submit and to surrender to the only thing that can fill that agape whole vacuum in your heart. But you know one thing that I've experienced in my life is that when you touch the agape of God, when you just get a drop of his agape, it happened for me in a powerful way during this class. I don't know. There's a few people here that took that class, the last one. Let me see your hands. Seven or eight people even right here that took that last class on basically the Father's love. And I remember it was after the first night. I, I just knew I had a promise from God in my heart. I knew nothing about Jack Frost. All I knew is I had a promise from God that this class was going to touch a lot of people in a very powerful way and is going to give them a drop in that bucket of those agape love. And after that first night, Oh, I was excited. I went home, and my wife and I were in our bedroom, and I just, just a week before, I was talking to Pastor Rick, and I said, Pastor Rick, I don't know what it is about my heart, but there's some areas in my heart and my emotions that are bound up. I feel that, Pastor Rick, there's times when I'm supposed to cry that I'm not crying. And when it's time to weep, I'm not weeping. And that's frustrating. When you know you should be crying, when you know you should be rejoicing and laughing and you feel like your emotions are bound up. I don't want to be in that place. And I know there's a lot of men that are in that place where they can't express themselves the way God made them to be expressed. You know, it's okay for a man to cry. You know, it's okay for a man to, to let a big old hee-haw tell us, amen. There's therapy in that, amen. amen. Laughter is a medicine. And I believe that even tears is a medicine. I believe that when you are at a place where you cannot express yourself emotionally, I believe it creates great tension and discord and strife within your body. 
And I believe after a process of time, you let that go on long enough and your physical body will start to break and to crack and to hurt. I know mine does. And believe me, at the clinic, I see a lot of people in that place where their body is hurting. They're coming in because their body is hurting. But you know, it's not about their body. That's just the tent. It's what's going on inside the tent that's the problem. It's the emotions that are bound up and are wanting to release itself in a positive way to God, but they cannot. They've got a stronghold in their mind. And they might come in for chronic headaches. They might come in for chronic diarrhea. They might come in for these types of things, but you know what? In almost every case, not all, but almost every case, it can be traced back to a wounded heart that desperately needs the agape of God to come and the revelation of the character of the Father who is agape to come in and to heal and to bind up that broken heart. You know, Jesus is that first testimony by Jesus about what his ministry would be. He says the prophecy in Isaiah 61 that I've come, what? To bind up the brokenhearted first and to release those in captivity. Those are not put in that order out of happenstance. When he comes up and he heals your broken heart, he releases you from captivity. If you have captivity in your mind, a stronghold in your mind, one way I believe you can tell you have a stronghold in your mind is when you can't cry when it's time to cry and you can't rejoice when it's time to rejoice. If you have a hard time there, that's one thing that tells you there's a stronghold in the mind. There's something going on emotionally that's not of God. But when Jesus touches you, and he gave me up that first night, it was just four or five days before that I had talked to Pastor Rick about that, that this is something I'm really concerned about in my life. I want to be able to cry when it's time to cry and rejoice. When it's time. It was this, the next week, the first class. I went in. My wife and I are in our bedroom, and I wasn't planning on it. I felt emotionally stirred because that class was so awesome. But I just started talking about what the Lord was doing in my heart after that first class, and all of a sudden I just broke down. I was just crying. And it was for me, it was, it, was, it, was a, it was just the external manifestation of the promise of God. He had touched my emotions. He had touched my woundedness. And now I was seeing the first fruits of healing. And I tell you what, when you, and you have a drop of the agape of God, when you have searched all over the world and tried to find fulfillment in here and f- fulfillment of your, of your, or your void in marriage or children or, or per- profession, career, or whatever it might be, when you've looked all around like Solomon looked all around and you find it just, it's like sand, it's turning to grass sand and it's falling out of your hands and your body's starting to hurt and then you finally get a drop of the agape, oh, I tell you what, that's the only motivation you need. All of a sudden, you understand that it is the pearl of great price. It is the treasure in the field. Amen? I mean, if you're a person that owns all sorts of property, but you find out you have this one little insignificant property, but you recognize that underneath there, there's a billion dollars of treasure, the couple million dollars from the leather, you just sell all that stuff. It's just, it's in my way now. I just want the agape. I just want that life because that's the only thing that can touch my woundedness and heal me and set me free. And when Jesus comes and he does that for you and you have an engagement with the agape of God, you know what you want to do, what the natural thing to do is? Agape one another. You can't help it. 
You don't have to be told to go love somebody. You don't have to be encouraged. You don't even have to be chastised to go agape one another because when you have an engagement with the agape of God and he touches you and heals your hearts, you're looking for the first person around to go tell about it. You want to go share that agape. You know, I shared a couple weeks ago how there's many times in my life group, you know, that I would, you know, encourage them strongly, go out and share your faith. Go out and bring somebody in. But the thing that I was missing is they weren't going out and sharing their faith, not because they didn't want to. They want to, but they couldn't. They were bound up. And I recognize that if they would just, allow, if they would be in a place where the agape of God would touch their heart, I don't have to go encourage them to share their faith. They're going to go share their faith. But one thing that I found is when in my woundedness, in my misunderstandings of who the Father really was, because that is the ministry of Satan, isn't it? The ministry of Satan is to confuse you about who Jesus really is. If he can tell you that the Father is somebody else than who he is, then you are never going to be motivated by agape. You'll be motivated by your fears and your anxieties and your burdens. Those are the things that will drive you. And finally, in my own life, God showed me that I'm this warrior that's running with the ball and chain. And he says, stop. Stop running. Stop. No wonder my body was breaking. I was carrying around a ball and chain. He says, stop and let me touch you and heal you and cut that thing off from you. Let me touch you with the agape of God. Let me touch you with myself and heal and set your wounded heart free. And then you'll run with the agape of God. That will be the motivator. I want to be motivated by the agape of God. I want to be motivated by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of my testimony. I want that to be the motivating factor in my life to share about Jesus Christ. Because when you have a perverted, distorted image of the Father, you know what? What happens in your life? That gospel is not worth getting persecuted for. But when Jesus comes through the Holy Spirit and plants the agape and the God into you. And all of a sudden now you're starting to see the Father for who he really is. That gospel is worth preaching. And that gospel is worth dying for. We have just got to get that revelation of who Father is. We sang about who Father was. We can talk about it, but the thing is we need to have an engagement with agape. And I believe there are many people in our church today that are at the inlet of transition. And if you took that class, you know what I'm talking about. We're in the storms and the waves of the sea of our life. We've been there for a long time. And there is a safe harbor that Jesus has for every single person, but there is that inlet, there is that bar, that transition that is very dangerous. And I think he said that 98% of people never take the courage to go over the bar into the safe harbor. But I believe that God has shown our church that we have been out in the ways, tossed to and fro, feel, filled with fears and anxieties and wounds and pains and misconceptions of who Father really is. 
And Jesus says, here, I'm going to show you the inlet of transition. Will you have the courage to basically, like Peter, walk out of the boat and hold the hand of Christ, and Christ will lead you over that bar. Amen? You see, Reverend Frost, he was the captain of that ship, and he led his men over that bar. Well, Jesus Christ is the captain of your ship. He is the captain. You don't have to do it alone. He's not asking you to find your own way to the safe harbor. He is the way, the truth, and the life. If you will only say yes to him, he will take you by the hand and he will lead you over the treacherous path of your woundedness to himself, the safe harbor. And I believe that many people, if not every single person in that class, we've had 38 in that class, the revelation of God came and they saw their life. They saw the storms and the wounds and the pains and they saw the safe harbor. Their eyes were opened. Well, weren't you encouraged? I was so, I mean, my, my heart just leapt when the, the, the brother that came that, that was a patient of mine, he just started breaking down and crying. You know what? I mean, that was just awesome. Why? Because he did what everybody else wanted to do. Everyone else wanted to break down and cry too. He did what everyone else wanted to do. And it was beautiful. It was wonderful. And I remember saying, Lord, why can't I break down and cry? I want to cry. I need to cry. And then I went home and I cried. <laughs> it was awesome. Amen. I've never been so excited about crying in my life. Why? Because it was appropriate for me to cry. The Lord had revealed my heart, revealed my woundedness, showed me that he was my safe harbor, showed me that he is the agape, that I can trust him. He restored to me a better understanding of who he really was. And when he shows himself, it's like Jesus walking on water and walking up to the storm. Remember, they're on the storm. The boat was getting tossed to and fro. That's the same thing that you and I are in the storms of our life. And all of a sudden you see this person out there and you're afraid. It's a ghost, it's a ghost. And Jesus says, calm down, be at peace. I am. And then he invites you to come out of the boat. You see, he always invites you to come. He'll never force you to come out of the boat and out of the storm. He'll never force you out of your woundedness. He'll never force you out of your fears, your pains, your depressions. But you know what he'll do? He'll come right up to you in your storm. And like Peter, you can say, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. And he will say, come. Amen? And even if you get distracted, and all of a sudden, as you start to make a couple steps down that road of healing, and all of a sudden you find yourself getting, oh, I'm, like, the, a fear is coming upon me. You know, even when you start sinking, he's going to reach down and he's going to grab you. He is faithful. You see, all of us have a perception of who Father is. And some of it has been clouded and distorted even by our natural fathers at times. Or whoever. But the Satan is the deceiver of the brethren. He has done the same thing from day one. What's that? To change in your mind who Father really is. Remember in the Garden of Eden, he said to Adam and Eve, did God really say and basically the implications of it was, is, is the father really for you? Does he really care about you? 
By saying don't touch that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, is it because he really cares for you? So they cast it into the minds of Adam and Eve, a dysfunction, a perversion of who Father really was. And that's the same thing he does today. Because if he can get in your mind an altered view of who Father is, then you're never going to approach the safe harbor. You'll stay out in the storms of your life. I think we're somewhere down around verse 15. Let's go to yeah, verse 16. And so we know and rely on the agape that God has for us. God is agape. Whoever lives in agape lives in God. Did you catch that? Whoever lives in agape lives in God. Did you catch that? That is important. Whoever lives in agape lives in God. If you want to know if you're living in God, it's not a matter of yes or no. What we're talking about is more and more. The more, do you want to live more in God? It's to live more in his agape. But you know what? One thing that keeps you from the agape, the character of God in your life, is your woundedness is your pains, is your misperceptions. And that's why Jesus came to bind up your broken heart and release you from your captivity. Why? Because that keeps you from the agape. That keeps you from resting in his love. That's why he came to bind up your broken heart. He did it because he wants you. He's jealous over you. That's why. That's the only reason. Your woundedness keeps you from intimacy with the Father. That's why he has to come and heal your wounds and set you free. He does it for his own sake and for yours. He loves you so much that he came and he took care of everything that would interrupt intimacy between you and him. Whoever lives in agape lives in love and God in him. In this way, agape is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like him. There is no fear in agape. There is no fear in agape. Agape and fear are on the opposite ends of the spectrum. They are polar opposites. I love what Reverend Frost said, you can't cast out a spirit of fear. Right? You can't cast it out. You have to allow the light to throw away the darkness. Amen? If you have darkness, if you have fear and anxieties, you don't have to cast it out. All you have to do is bring the light. Jesus is the light. We need a revelation of the light of God. There is no fear in agape, but perfect agape drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in agape. We agape because he first agaped us. If anyone says, I love, I agape God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. 
For anyone who does not agape his brother whom he has seen cannot agape God whom he has not seen. Do you see the implications of that scripture verse? Anyone who does not agape his brother, whether that brother or that sister may be your spouse, your children, or people around you, if you do not agape that's what? That's the external reality that the Lord is within you. That the agape is healing you and setting you free. If agape is, if you can't agape your brother and your sister, it says you can't agape God. The question that Dr. Mike and I talked about last night is, can your intimacy with God, can it rise above your intimacy that you have with your brother. Now that's an interesting thing to think about. If you answered it too quickly in your mind, then you're probably wrong. But can your intimacy with a father, can it escalate very much higher than your intimacy with brother? If you cannot agape brother, then you cannot agape God, it says. See, one thing that the Lord has shown me recently is so many times we talk about this vertical relationship and the horizontal relationship. Amen? Everyone talks about that. Your vertical relationship with God and your horizontal with your brother. But I think in many ways, it's not so much that you're on two axes. It's, it's one. Your approach to God goes through your brother. My love and my intimacy with God is perfected in my love, my agape, in my relationship and intimacy with my wife. The two shall become one. I am the bride or she is the bride and I am the bridegroom, just like in my relationship with God. There are so many analogies. That's why I believe that God established the marriage covenant. Because it is analogous to our relationship with him. To say, assuming that my wife is in the river, now you can certainly have a wife that's not in the river, amen? You could have a wife that says, I don't have nothing to do with you. I'm married to you, but I ain't doing it and not seeking God. I'm not talking about that wife. I'm not talking about that kind of husband. But I'm talking about a wife and a husband that desire the agape, to desire God, who want to be all they can in God. If they're both flowing in the river, can we say, can I say to myself, I have tremendous agape towards God, but no agape with my wife. No love, no intimacy, no exchange. That's what the Lord is showing me. He says, look, he says, Ty, look at your relationships. You have no intimacy. Your relationship with your wife, yeah, it's a good relationship, but the depths of intimacy are not being had. He says, look at your relationships with brothers around you. They're superficial. And he showed me the scripture. He says, if you can't agape your wife, your brother, your sister, how can you say you agape me? Because many ways he has put that access to himself even through persons. Now, I know that every analogy has limitations, but that's the analogy that the Bible gives. The Lord promised to me, if you will just allow the agape to touch you in such a way, not only your relationship with God increase, your relationship with man will increase. Because the same thing that keeps me from intimacy with my wife is the same thing that keeps me with intimacy from God. Fear, anxieties, worries in my woundedness. That's what keeps me from increased intimacy with my wife. Right? 
It's that rejection syndrome that we've been talking about. I don't want to open up and confide the depths of my heart and those hurts and those pains because she might reject me. That's the same thing that keeps us from opening up our heart and saying, Lord, here I am, naked, poor, and exposed. Would you heal me? It's the same thing. The same thing that keeps me from deeper intimacy with my wife or my brother. It's the same thing that keeps me from deeper intimacy with Christ. It's the same. So the Bible basically says that there is a bit of an equality going on. That in a person's life, in a Christian's life, the pattern, this is the pattern that I think the implication of the scripture is. If truly your agape and your intimacy with Christ is increasing, then it's a necessary condition that your agape and your intimacy is increasing with man. That's what I believe it says. It's a necessary truth. That should always happen in our lives. If intimacy is increasing with Father, then intimacy will increase with our man. Amen? Because agape, Christ is in our brother and sister. Right? It's not like our relationship is this vertical relationship. Christ is in you and me. And so that's why my relationship with you should be increased in intimacy because God is in us. Doesn't it make sense? God is in Dr. Mike. God is in Brother Sete. God is in Gail. God is in Gina. My relationship with people should increase in intimacy and agape because God is in you. For for me to say that, oh, my relationship, it's flourishing with the Lord. He's showing me all new things, all this intimacy and all this. And I, but my relationships are just superficial. And the Bible says you're a liar. I don't say you're a liar, okay? <laughs> Bible says you're a liar. I got to find a verse for that, Pastor. Right there. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not agape his brother, whom he has seen, cannot agape God, whom he has not seen. Last verse, chapter, or verse 21. And he has given us this command. Whoever agapes God must also agape his brother. Amen? Why? It's not a command as, as far as you must. No, it's a necessary truth. You can It's impossible to say and have an intimate relationship with agape, God and yet have dysfunctional relationships all around you. God is in you. God is in me. And I want to end with a scripture in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 5. And this is my encouragement. This is, the, this is the desire that I have for my own life and the desire that I have for all of your lives. And I believe that God is doing a special work right now and my prayer is that every single person in our church and ministry would open up their spiritual mouth and receive everything that the Lord has for you right now. Because you know what he's doing? He's restoring to you who he really is. He's restoring to you who he really is. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5. I'm going to read it in the New American Standard. It says, May the Lord... Direct your hearts 
into the agape of God, into the steadfastness of Christ. That's my prayer and my blessing over you. May the Lord. And I don't say it as if the Lord will decide if he wants to do it. That's not what the implication of the scripture is. He's saying, may it happen because you receive it. This is the will of God for your life. You have been destined for agape love, acceptance and security in Christ. The may part is not about God. It's about you and me. May we receive and let the Lord direct our hearts into the agape of God. That's the implication of that scripture. That's the desire of Father in your life is to put you in a place of agape, to heal your wounds, your pains, your fears. And I know in many people's lives, over the last several weeks, there's a lot of woundedness that's been healed. I see the fruit. I see the agape coming out of you. That shows me that he's healing you. That's the proof. Agape is flowing out of you. Grab everything that the Lord has for you right now. Don't only go a couple steps and say, that's as far as I'm going. Go clear into the safe harbor. Don't go up to the fringes of the river and be satisfied with a few splashes. But jump into that river of God, go over the bar, and go into your destiny in security and acceptance and identity in Christ. That's his desire for you. That's why he created you. May you respond to that today. That's what that scripture says. Respond to the agape of God today. And he will direct your heart to his agape. You are totally dependent on that. You cannot find the agape. You cannot find God by yourself. But the promise of God to you is this. He will direct your heart to his agape. Amen? Let us respond in our hearts with amen. Let it be in my life. Let us not be satisfied in the storm, in the insecurities, and in the pains, in the wounds any longer. Let us grab the hand of Christ and let him guide you over the bar, the inlet of transition into his peace, into his rest, into his love. Let us respond. God is doing a great work right now. He's heard your cry. He's heard my cry. We want revival. He says, amen, I want revival too. But revival is what? A revival in relationship, in an intimacy. That can only come by your wounds and your pains being healed. You can't have intimacy in fear. Fear and love are at the opposite ends of the spectrum. He has to come and deal with our wounds and our pains so that the fear can be erased so that we can actually encounter his love. That's revival. Revival of intimacy with Jesus Christ. That is his destiny and his plan for you. I'm going to have Pastor Hanson come and there's a piano player somewhere in the premises. Maybe a guitar player. <laughs> We'll spend a few moments as Pastor Hansen closes responding to the agape of God. The love of Jesus Christ, he wants it to grow more and more into your life. We, 
have a great responsibility, as Pastor Ty shared, do we allow that to happen? Do we allow it? Now understand clearly, we have a great responsibility. One reason why we all feel comfortable with Jesus is that he does have unconditional love. One reason we don't feel comfortable sometimes with each other on the other level is because people do not possess the same agape love and so do not accept one another as much. Are, are we there? Jesus was not accepted everywhere. He did not have intimacy everywhere. He was rejected by Nazarenes in Nazareth. He became a Galilean. He could be intimate with those that would receive him. If we're going to have agape, full agape, total agape, as much as we know how, and it grows as comes our understanding, then we must respond to the Father. And then when we actually respond to the Father, we can respond to each other. But I can have a wonderful relationship with God and not have intimacy with you if you don't respond to the agape yourself. Are we catching that? I can go some places and be received with agape, other places be rejected. I haven't changed, but the people I minister to have changed. They don't possess the same agape. And we need to understand that. We have a responsibility, us. How much of God's love will we allow him to give us? How much do we want to learn? How much do we want to possess? How much do we want to actually submit our will and to move into his will? Not my will, your will be done. My prayer is that we can take this thing most seriously. And we can allow God's love as we are aware of it. To know the truth that sets you free. That class revealed a lot of truth that set a lot of people free or has started to. And the more we understand truth or the love of God, truth is love, the more we can be set free if we can receive it, if we will receive it. And then if we actually received it, we'll act on it. And give the same unconditional love one to another that God has given us. Why we can be so comfortable with God is he totally receives us and never rejects us. And that's how we should be one with another. Or we do not possess as much love as maybe we like to think we do. If we reject one another, then we do not possess the amount of love, the amount of unconditional love that God has. We'd never reject one another. We can reach out to our enemy no matter what he does to us. It doesn't mean he'll have intimacy back with us, but we can still reach out to him. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I'm talking about a total enemy out there. Certainly there's no enemies in the church of Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be brothers and sisters. But we should be able to reach out to those in society no matter what they do to us, 
and continue to reach out and continue to reach out and continue to turn the other cheek, reach out. Amen? I believe that with all my heart. I believe it with all my heart. The love of God, the love of Jesus Christ, the agape, grows in your life as you understand the nature of God and as, as you then receive that nature, receive that truth. Love grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. And I believe it's going to continue to grow until the day your spirit leaves because I don't think man on earth can ever totally understand the total love of God the Father. I believe that we grow into it as we seek Him, as we desire truth. Truth continues to set us free. And I pray that's the desire of our hearts today, that we want to receive the love of God, the truth of God. We want to strive for it. We want to receive it. And then we want to obviously give it. If we receive it, we can give it. Regardless of how people toward us. We just continue to love them whether they love us back or not. Amen? Now here is my friend, Scott Farah, and he's going to help you with your business. Scott? Jesus teaches us that we should never do anything without making a plan first. Most small business owners fail to follow this biblical principle and do not have a written plan for where they want to be in one year, three years, five years, Yet every large business has a written plan. Many who wish to start their own businesses do not develop a plan first. This is one of the major reasons that 80% of all small businesses fail within the first five years. God worked through me to develop a unique educational program for business people. Quite frankly, this program has changed people's lives. If you currently own a business or if you're thinking about going into business for yourself, you need the independence program. Visit our website, independenceprogram.training, and if you choose to purchase this unique educational program, make sure that you use promo code WMI. It will give you a 5% discount. So if what you have just heard resonates with you, and if you care and you want to be an unsung hero, I implore you, please take a few seconds to call us today and leave a message with a short prayer for us. Because we need to know that you are with us and care enough to be part of the spark with us so that together we can move God to send a great awakening that can reverse the inevitability of God's coming judgment according to what God spoke in Jeremiah 18, 7, and 8. We believe that if you joined hands with us, Together, we can save America from certain catastrophic judgment. So call now, okay? Dial 360-629-5248. And say a short prayer for us in your message. And leave your phone number too, okay? So one more time, 360-629-5248. Thank you and God bless.